podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock Podcast, the podcast about the beautiful club within the beautiful game. The beautiful game which is holding a World Cup tournament at the moment and England's group contains, um, well, Iran, USA and Wales, an interesting mix, all in the top 20, world top 20 at the moment. And it seemed like the perfect time for me to welcome back my latest guest, um, who's been on once before, keen-eared listeners will know. It's Amir Jafari, who is from the States well, and is an Albion fan. Welcome back to the podcast, Amir. How are you doing? Good, good, Russ. Thanks for having me back. Uh, I miss seeing your face, buddy. <laughs> There's not many people say that, I have to say. <laughs> Good to see you too. You're looking well, looking smiley. And I'm not surprised because we're recording this on the day of the uh, second round of our Group B games. England are, as we're recording, due to play in a couple of hours' time. Um, Iran have already played their second game and you're beaming from ear to ear, Amir. I wonder why that might be. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, the game started at 3 a.m. my time here in Denver, Colorado. So. Um, but let me tell you, it was, it was worth it, even though it was nerve wracking. Um, I, I, I did not, I expected us to, I'll be honest. I expected us to lose today. Um, after the way we played against England, um, and it's just, just a lack of any energy. I, I wasn't hopeful today. Um, I thought, uh, prior to the world cup, I thought we had a good chance because I had watched some of Wales games and, you know, they, they're not on England, Spain, Germany, France level, you know, mm-hmm. um, the game was great. I mean, I, I have, I don't think I've ever seen us play that well in a world cup game. I mean, it was, I mean, apart from one shot on target that Wales had, and I forgot who was the one that was the, was a header who hit it right at our goalie. I mean, that was their only threat, like the 15th minute. I mean, from the 20th minute on, I mean, it was completely one-sided, mm-hmm. uh, I think Wales was surprised because they had so much possession. I don't think they were expecting that. And I think that kind of threw them off a little bit. But our our counterattacks were amazing today. Um, you know, coming into this World Cup, you know, one of our good players, uh, Sardar Asmoon, who plays in the Bundesliga, um, you know, he had been our highest goal scorer in qualifying and didn't start for England, which was a, kind of a shock, but he was coming off a uh, calf injury from the Bundesliga. So I was really bummed about that because he, him and Taremi up front kind of, they're, they're the life of the team. I mean, we go as they go. If they play well, we play well. Um, you know, Taremi's had a great, great year at Porto, you know, Champions League player of the week, I believe once, definitely. He had once or twice. He was in excellent form. Um, so when he didn't start for England, Asmund didn't start, I was a little nervous. You know, I was like, oh, he came on. And then today he played really well. He had one shot that just went off the post, looked like it was going to be a goal turned into another shot on the post. And I think we had a total of, I believe, three shots at the post today. One goal taken back by VAR, which, to be fair, you know, there was a foot offside. It, it was offside. By yeah. the letter of the law, you know, if that was Wales scoring that goal, I would wanted it to be offside too. So I got to be fair, you know. Um, but – and then we, we bring in a guy. Uh, his last name was Cheshmi off the bench who hadn't scored a goal in six years. I mean – there's no way you would have convinced me this guy was going to score a goal today. And he just scores a screamer from outside the box. And, and then uh, the second one was just off a counter. Cause at that point, Wales was pressing and, hmm. uh, and uh, you know, we, we were able to take advantage of that. So, you know, really happy to win. You know, I don't know how this is going to end for us, um, but I'm, I'm proud of them, you know, because 
you know, what the England game was just not us. I mean, I've watched every game of qualifying, you know, um, we've had world cup matches against Argentina, Spain, Portugal, and took them to the, all three of them to the wire, you know, and I thought we would do the same. I mean, I, 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 my prediction was, I thought England was going to win two zero. You know, I, I didn't think we were going to win, but I thought we were going to look a whole lot better than that. So that was really disheartening. And for them to come back and put this performance they put on today, which, you know, please, please watch the highlights if you haven't watched it yet. Um, it was, it was amazing. Um, and I know in the, in the, in our WhatsApp chat, I've been kind of, kind of filling you guys in and what's going on and, and all the heartbreaking news coming out of Iran. And it's been a tough week for the team. Um, and to be honest, almost like a civil war has developed for, for yeah. people who support the team and don't support the team now And a big pocket of, so what happened was about two weeks before the world cup started, you know, and I'm sure hopefully the listeners are aware of all the protests going on in Iran for women, women's rights and equal rights and, Unfortunately, a lot of young people have died as a result of protesting. Um, so there was a big chunk of the people of the protesters who felt, I guess, slighted by the national team because about a week or two before the World Cup, they had to go see the president, who obviously is the big face of the opposition, you know, uh, in the eyes of the protesters and the pro-freedom people. Um, and the players gave him a jersey because that's the customary thing. And and a lot of people were upset because they were in some people's opinion, kind of just being obedient and, but, you know, having, knowing what goes on in Iran, like, it's not like, like America where you could like snub the president and it's not going to be a big deal. You, you know, that's not okay. I mean, you'll be jailed for that there. Um, So then, so there's a lot of people and some of my own family that they wanted England to kill us. And I was just like, what? I was like, why? Because they were just so upset with the team, and then of course there's the other side. There's the, the there's a good chunk of the protesters that support the team, um, and I'm sure you noticed before the England game, our players, you know, not singing the national anthem. Yes, that may not be a big deal to some people, but in a in an authoritarian country like Iran, that took excuse my language, massive balls to do that. That was not easy for these players because they're risking their safety, their family's safety, their loved ones' safety, and it's hard to believe all the news that come out of the camp in Iran right now, but there was a lot of buzz this week that the government actually had people at the team hotel in Qatar, just constantly supervising them, making sure that they behaved, making sure they didn't say anything that was against the government. And it was eating the team up. I mean, and then of course today before the game, they kind of did sing the national anthem, but Mm. my opinion watching, you know, you can be a judge. It looked very half-hearted. It looked very like, a gun to your head, I have to do this. And yeah. it was heartbreaking because during the anthem, there was a lot of people there that were pro pro the team and pro the protesters who were just crying and because mm-hmm. they were just upset. And the players were upset too. And, and, and then a, a lot of people are mad at the players for singing the anthem today. But in my opinion, from what I'm seeing, like, the, you know, they're not on the government side. You know, they've already been threatened that they would get, they would have gotten jailed if they went, when they went back, if they would have protested today. So it's just it's hard because there's just there's so much going on outside of football like how are these guys focusing on the games like how did they show up today i have no idea you know um so it was it's a little bittersweet you know it makes me sad that some people are against the team i understand them you know i i I see their opinion um i don't agree with it Hmm. uh, but i respect it because i have members of my own family who have that opinion it's it's tough and just because you know it these guys, in my opinion, from what I've seen from the things that they've said before the games, you know, they're, it's obvious whose side they're on. 
You know, we had a, a friendly against Uruguay about a month ago where they, they covered the patches of their jerseys that had the Iranian flag on there. So, you know, don't tell me these guys don't care. You know what I mean? Um, so it's been, it's been cool, you know, and it's been nice because I feel like a lot of fans of the sport are kind of learning what's going on and, and they're, you know, they're, you're, we're getting like external support for the team, you know? Um, I, uh, I, someone who made a comment earlier, you know, I was really disappointed that some of the, the European captains who said they were going to wear the, the, the rainbow armband backed out because of a yellow card and I get it, two yellow cards and you're out. But man, what a message that would have been if, you know, a Harry Kane or a Hugo Lloris or, a, um, you know, any other big European captains or even an American captain. I'm not going to count America. They didn't do it either. You know, uh, yeah. that. it's been a, it's been a crazy World Cup and it's for a lot of reasons. It's because of the Qatar. It's because of what's going on with Iran. It's because of what's going on, how they treat homosexuals in that country. You yeah. know, yeah. There's so much to talk about. I'm sorry. No, no, that's fine. All of that's great. And it's a lot to unpack there. Just one thing to mention, actually, because we've only been, uh, last podcast was after the first game, the opening game of the tournament. So, of course, uh, the the England game, everyone will know now the scores, of of course. But um, England beating Iran 6-2. As you said, there was no singing of the national anthem. There was a lot of um, talk in the run-up from external criticism about whether Iran should be there as well. Again, that's not about the people. It's about the the, the regime in charge. Um, And also, not, not just that but over accusations of supplying arms to Russia and also there's some accusations that they were flying armed drones and using those weapons over Ukraine as well so there was that element plus obviously the what is essentially a civil war of sorts going on already isn't there Uh, a revolution of sorts going on in the country some of which it's hard to know what exactly is going on because the reporting has been minimised or pretty much snuffed out. Um, but I think is, there's a difference between Russia, which was banned from being able to take part in this tournament, um, and what's happening with Iran. I think, first of all, it was interesting that FIFA, who say they're not political and want to bend and, you know, it's not that I'm saying Infantino is pally with Putin, but Infantilo is pally with Putin. Um, and they wanted, they wanted to Russia to carry on. And it was only when Poland said, well, we're not playing them in the, in the playoffs, so that's not going to be happening. But it, it just forced their hand. I think they might have ended up still in the tournament. However, they were, they were excluded. Um, but that is because they've attacked another nation. I think where you've got an internal conflict going on, that probably, I think, divides it into a different category. There is an argument to say, should Iran be there? But if Iran is there, I think it's representing the situation much more, uh, uh, much more prominently. It's highlighting a situation. We already know what's going on in Russia and Ukraine. But with Iran, I think there's been a lot of talking points and things I didn't know about this. You know, I didn't know about the, uh, although I could have guessed about the pressures put on the players from the authorities. Um, I obviously knew about the, the, the women's protests. And this is all sparked by a female member of the public who was basically taken into custody with one of these uh, behavior police or whatever they're called mm-hmm. and subsequently ended up being killed. And apparently, according to the authorities, it was completely an accident. She had a some kind of health issue caused her a problem and she died, which, of course, we all know is utter bullshit. Yeah. But um, but that's what sparked the whole thing in the first place. But I think um, I think there's more to, more awareness to be had from this. And I'm actually I'm comfortable with Iran being in the tournament because I think it is raising awareness. This whole issue around the anthems has, has, has clarified the situation. I think people will now know the strength of feeling. They will also now know what kind of regime these guys 
are running if they didn't already, not just over the situation with the lady that was killed, but also over the way they're dictating how the players should behave and all that kind of thing, um, beyond anything that FIFA would present. So it's it's a it's a conflicting one, isn't it? It's very difficult. And um, speaking of conflicts, obviously, as an Iranian-born uh, man of Iranian descent who is an American citizen who's lived in America almost all your life, um, your next game is going to be interesting, <laughs> especially now... I mean, I, I think you guys are going to qualify now off the back of the, the Wales score. So so we beat U6-2 and Wales and US drew first match. Um, couldn't really tell much from what the Wales-USA game was going, to, was going to tell us about how the tournament might pan out for those two teams. But having now beaten uh, Wales, and you would imagine the, that England will probably beat the USA, I would suggest that Iran are in a really, really strong position now because... I, I can see them getting a result um, against the US uh, to start with. And I do think England will beat Wales, um, much as I might regret that. Local rivals, and yeah, it'll come back to haunt me now, I've said it. Um, and it is a bit of a leveller, you know, and they, they'll, they'll be playing much better than they'll play in any other game in this tournament um, because it's England. So who knows what will happen. But by rights, we probably should win. And if we win, then Wales are stuck on one point. If you've got any kind of result against the US and we've beaten the US, then then you're in. Mm-hmm. So you're in pole position. We've got to do our bit from the Iranian point of view. And I'm saying you, obviously, from the Iranian point of view. Yes. Now we've got you from the US point of view. <laughs> obviously, you'd, normally you'd want them to do well. Um yes. Do you, first of all, what do you think about tonight's game? I know this will be out of date by the time people are listening, but ahead of the game, what are, what are the pre-game thoughts? Amir? Well, I'll be, I'll be honest. So I, I remember where I was the day of the draw. I was at work. It was lunchtime, and I was watching the draw. And I remember, uh, if I remember correctly, obviously England was drawn first in pot one. And then, uh, I don't know, I believe Iran was drawn second, or maybe the U.S. I think Iran was drawn second. I think Iran was, wasn't and, it? And at first I was like, damn. I was like, just because of the relationship I have with you guys, <laughs> You don't want to play England, you know, because, you know, because I like England, like historically, like, you know, I have always pulled for the U.S. in Iran. And when obviously they're knocked out, which happens a lot, um, I, you know, I'll, I'll always pull for, for England. And so I was like, damn it, you know, I don't want to play England. And then we got drunk. And then the U.S. And I was like, no, three teams. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's hard because it, it's obviously two countries that I absolutely love. And, and I'm and I'm and I'm proud to uh, to be a citizen of both. Um, it's hard. Anybody- the only way this could have got more complicated is if you also happen to be married to someone Welsh, then it could have got even more complicated. <laughs> I know. Then I'm in big trouble. Yeah, I know. So it's 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 going to be hard because now I know it's going to be one of the two teams that are going to go to the next round. It's going to be the U.S. or Iran. I'm, I'm, I think we can safely say that we can count Wales out now. Um, <clears throat> so it's going to be tough. And and the Wales game for the U.S. I thought they played really well, and and you know they definitely left two points behind. I mean, um, I think if, even if you were a neutral fan watching that game, I don't see how you can walk away from that and say, and not say the U S was the better team in that game. Granted, the penalty was an obvious penalty. It was a dumb, dumb foul on Zimmerman in the box, you know? Um, but you know, today I was telling my wife this morning, cause she asked me, she's like, I, she goes, do you think we can beat England? I said, Anna, if we played England 10 times, I think we can beat them once or twice. And today could be one of that once or twice, you yeah, know, that's it. It's a tournament. I, and, and, and that's the beauty of this game and this tournament is anything is possible. You know, obviously I'm not naive. You know, when you look at rosters, England is superior. They have far better talent. Um, but if, if there's anything I've learned from soccer or in football is the better team doesn't always win, you know? 
Um, I think I think it's going to be important for England to come out just like they came out against Iran. You know, come out guns blazing, come out hard, put the pressure on the U.S. back line. Um, I think if this game goes into halftime 0-0, I'd start getting a little nervous if I was an English fan. Just start. I wouldn't say I'd be nervous. I would say I'd start getting a little nervous. Um, but, you know, it's, it's hard to predict what's going to happen because, you know, I do want the U.S. to win. My head, well, my heart wants the U.S. to win. My head says England's going to win. Um, but I just hope it's a great game. I hope it goes better than my other team's game against England. <laughs> um, but you know what? If, we, if Saudi Arabia can beat Argentina, then anything's possible. Yeah. I mean, that's the shocker of the tournament for me. Exactly. Amazing. I was going to say, let's go through the, these games. So, I mean, England was on day two. Um, we got the 6-2 win. There was a few um, precedents set there, actually. Um, first of all, it's the first 6-2 result in World Cup history, apparently. That's not particularly amazing to hear. <laughs> it's fairly, yeah. be fairly surprised if there were other results, but you never know. Um, Jude Bellingham, who is highly regarded as one of the great rising talents in the game, yeah. um, this is his first tournament, and he's only the second teenager to score in the World Cup for England, the other being Michael Owen. Um, so uh, he got off the mark first in the scoring. Um, and we've then, obviously, we've then gone on to get um, Saka with two goals, Sterling, Rashford with one of his first, he just came off the bench and he had a couple of touches and hit it into the goal all in one move. Boom. Not a bad introduction. Um, and then uh, Grealish also came in and his goal celebration, which is a tribute yes. to, uh, to a young yeah, fan. That was beautiful. Got, that was beautiful. I, I, yeah, it was lovely. I, I like it. You're missing, you're missing one first, though. Yes, go on. It was, it was the first time an Iranian has ever scored two goals in one game. That's never ah. happened before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think it's also the first time we played you as well. Well, there's a game in the 40s, which... Yeah, I definitely before I was born. They yeah, never... England don't recognise it as a friendly. I think, well, did we play it or not? Because if we played it, it's a game. And if it's not a tournament game, yeah. it's a friendly. I don't know. But apparently that was the only other time we played you. But um, yeah. England don't recognise it for some reason. I've, I've no idea why. Um, so this is the first, uh, certainly the first competitive time. And as you said... Iranian scoring two goals, and it was of course Taremi, who's who's a very well regarded player, pulling up plenty of trees in Porto. Decent league, yeah, yeah decent player. He's probably not the kind of guy Albion would go for, for example, because if, um, if if he was twenty one, maybe, but you yeah. know, he's thirty, unfortunately. Yeah, he's, he's a talent, and the fact that he still popped out two goals there. Mm. Admittedly, the the penalty was a bit soft. I think at the end. Oh still. yeah, that, I'm very, I'm, very non, I'm a very non biased football fan. Like you know, honestly, I I call it how I see it. Like even I was like that was soft. I thought the I thought Ronaldo's penalty yesterday was yeah. In my opinion, that in the prem that would not have been called. Okay. But yeah, maybe I, if he was playing Man City, they'd call it. But yeah, you know. yeah, I think I think that was soft, and I think the commentators and the uh, the experts over this side reporting on it were seemingly quite accepting of it which I was surprised because I thought that was more contentious it was one day uh, in the Qatar game and it was a Qatar player it was in my opinion one of the most obvious penalties that I've ever seen I'm interested to see your take when you see it and they didn't they went to VAR and they didn't call it and I'm like what the hell were they watching he straight (laughs) up just bulldozed someone over in the box and uh, it's it's been it's been inconsistent which is which is frustrating you know Um, because you don't know when that inconsistency is going to burn your team you know exactly exactly yeah there is that um and you you mentioned the um the the penalty for ronaldo that's uh, also set a precedent because he has now scored in five world cups the first yeah. player to achieve this it also means not unsurprisingly that he's um the youngest and the oldest player to score for portugal in a world cup as well <laughs> uh, whether that will ever get beaten who knows um 
the, the shocks you mentioned, Saudi, uh, what, what a shock. They came from behind to beat Argentina. There's one very good reason why um, they did that, and that's because Argentina failed to pick uh, one of the most on-form players, a guy you and I both know should have been in that starting <laughs> 11, Amir, Alexis McAllister. Crazy. <laughs> you, you leave them out, you miss out. That's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was really hoping – I. I I thought he, now I didn't watch that game live because that was a 3 a.m. game and I had to work the next day. So I'm only, I'm going off highlights. So my input on that game will be very minimal just because I only saw highlights. Um, I know people were saying that it was controversial. You know, Argentina had three goals taken away. Yeah. Two of them were blatantly offside. I mean, I, we can all agree. There was one that was very close and, and, yeah. and it could have gone either way. I see. I can see either, either side's point. Yeah, because they scored the they scored the first goal, uh, Messi with the penalty, and then uh, I think it was Messi again, wasn't it? That was offside for the second one. It was marginally off, but Margin. it wasn't off. Uh, mm-hmm. The last one was blatantly off, but and the middle one, these, all of this happened before Saudi scored any goals, so so they could have been four <laughs> nil up here. Uh, it could have been, been an Iran England game, you know. But, yeah, exactly. But the <laughs> middle, the middle offside was, I think, a crock of shit. I saw um, the image that they showed just the. The live freeze frame was at a bit of an angle, TV, TV ang- camera angle, so you couldn't really see the exact line. But it looked to all the world as if he was on, even though he was leaning in. And I, I have an issue with this whole leaning in and the shoulder thing. But what they showed on the graphic with the this offside auto kind of technology they're using um, didn't seem to be didn't seem to match the same angle as the image we'd seen. I think it was moved on slightly. Um, and it showed that his shoulder and the very top of his sleeve, which is deemed as offside. I, I think, I think it should just be about the feet. They should go back to the feet. But anyway, that that angle sh- suggested it was fractionally offside. But was that the true, correct time range? The first game, which I've already talked about in the other podcast, the um, Qatar goal, uh, sorry, the um, Ecuador goal against Qatar that was ruled off. What the hell was that all about? It was given as offside. And they showed a, a graphic of a player clearly with his leg beyond the defender. But yeah. what, what's the relationship with the ball? Because the ball had already travelled most of the way in, from what I can tell. That, that was um, so puzzling. I, I thought I was missing something. So I was hoping to get the answer from you guys. I'm like, well, these guys are <laughs> We don't know. <laughs> well, we do know. I think I know why that was. And I read an article in The Athletic that said that when the goalie comes out, the last defender becomes the goalkeeper. I'm like, what? Is that true? I don't know. It seemed odd to me. Yeah, the goalie counts as one of the two defenders. Okay. Yeah, but um, it, it was about where the ball was, though. Yeah. I didn't see any player in an offside position uh, when a ball was being played forwards. And that essentially means there's no offside. The ball was played forwards and then players move into a position which would have been offside if, mm-hmm. it, if the ball had been played at that point. But and that's that's fine. Uh, I think that was an absolute bullshit. And what then surprised me was the fact they did they did keep the uh, uphold the penalty for Ecuador to to finally score, um, which they could easily have overturned and said it was a soft touch <laughs> yeah. on the. So I thought, okay, maybe they only pay for one bribe or something. That's what was going through my head. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, Qatar were a poor side. Um, Ecuador deserved to go through. Ecuador and Hove Albion, of course. Um, and then, of course, uh, we had the Saudi uh, uh, shock that then followed. That that was incredible. As I said, the Argentina could have been, should have been two goals up in yeah. my opinion there. However, they weren't. And then they didn't see the game out. They didn't build on it. They didn't get any, create any further chances after that early dominance. Back came the Saudis, started attacking, scored two great goals, especially yeah, the you, second can't, you can't take those away from them. Those were two amazing girls. It, it wasn't anything like, you can't say, oh, that was lucky. Those were, the second one was class yeah. it's beautiful 
Yep. It was uh, not the goal of the tournament, in my opinion. I believe that one uh, belongs to Mr. Richarlison yesterday. You know, yeah. um, that was amazing. Beautiful goal. That, that's going to be a tough one to beat, in my opinion. Yeah, I think that's goal of the tournament, isn't it? Nailed on there, <laughs> barring some miracle. Um, yeah, but they were they were great goals. And, I mean, the, the Saudi fan base were going mad. It, it's good to see because I, I think... Whereas Qatar really doesn't have any football culture at all. You have to say Saudi does in terms of both represented in previous tournaments. They have qualified in the past, but also they do have a much larger population and that they are football mad. So for the, for the, for the ordinary football fans, fair play to them. They can enjoy their day and they're in with a genuine chance of getting through now. It, it, it was hard for me to watch because, you know, that's, um, that's Iran's biggest rival is, are the Saudis. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we we love to watch them lose. I'm sure they loved watching the England game. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I, there's not a Saudi in the world that would that was not happy that day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I wasn't. I was actually happy for them. They won because, in my opinion, you know, uh, you know, football needs that, right? Football needs these uh, quote unquote smaller countries, not by population size, but soccer, but football standards, um, to to do better. Because in my opinion, a high tide floats all boats. You know. Um, and, and I think that, you know, it, it was good for for Asian football, you know, with, with Japan winning, um, Iran winning, um, and now Saudi winning, and you know Australia. I think that was I was I think I was four to one, I believe. Yeah, they took the lead, so there was a, a moment. Yeah, for a moment, I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna win. <laughs> so it's just good because historically speaking, Asian football is is not good. I mean, there's no other way to to. I mean, I, I know I think in Korea, Japan, um, you know, Korea went on a run. Um, to the to I believe the quarterfinals, maybe the semifinals. I don't remember exactly, um, but historically we don't do well as a confederation in the World Cup, and neither does um, you know, the states and Mexico and the Caribbean countries, the Concacaf. Um, so you know, it's, it's makes it fun, man. It makes it fun, you know. Um, Absolutely. And, and, you, you think Argentina still gets out of the group? Yeah, pro- probably, probably. But they've got the work cut out now. They're going to be under pressure. And pressure oh, yeah. can do funny things in the game. So you never know. You never know. It's what a shocker would that be? Would that, would it, it, let's hypothetically say Argentina doesn't come out of the group. Would that be the biggest shocker in history? It would be one of them, wouldn't it, I think? It's certainly one of them. There's been... I think Brazil's favoured to win, but I think Argentina was second favoured, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. There's been certain other shocks. I think I remember Bulgaria beating Germany when they were in their pomp quite easily in a knockout game, uh, which nobody saw coming. And I think that was a semi quarter final or a last. That was the US. That was 94, right? Yes, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think it was. Mm. So there's been a few. It's hard. To, it's hard to say, really. I'd, I'd have to look look through it, but it's got to be up there with one of the big shocks that would have yeah. been. Yeah, um, another one being Italy didn't even qualify for the damn tournament <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> there's never outside a pub somewhere in England saying free beer when whenever Italy and Scotland are playing games at the World Cup <laughs> this year. So. No, and maybe maybe they'll be back next time since they're expanding, which I don't agree with, and we could talk about that another time. You know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I, I don't think it should should ever be expanded from its current format. It's perfect as it is. But anyway, we'll rant on that another time. You mentioned yeah. France, obviously came from behind against us to win. Uh, they've got a lot of injuries, but they still look a threat. They're obviously the reigning champions. Um, there was a there was a bit of a um, landmark achievement in that game as well because Olivier Giroud scored a brace, which sees him pool level with Thierry Henry on fifty one goals each for France. Um, hey, hold, hold on a second, Russ. Breaking oh, news: Estupian just scored the equaliser. No. <laughs> yeah, he did. Oh, no. Oh, is he offside? It's going to VAR, I think. <laughs> oh, this is exciting. So Holland are 1-0 up at the moment. The Netherlands are 1-0 up, aren't they? 
Yeah, and I believe yeah, and the Supignan just scored, so breaking news. But let's, they, they, I think they're going to look at it. This is great. Yeah, hopefully. Well, he's got a number seven shirt on. It's as if he's playing a more attacking role for them, yeah, almost yeah. implied by the shirt number. But uh, yeah. Anyway, was- sorry to interrupt you, but I figured that that was worth giving you breaking oh, news. Definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, while that's happening, I was going to say, yeah, so Giroud's on to 51 goals, same as Omri, but he should really already be the record scorer for France. Irish mm-hmm. fans would appreciate me saying that because he handballed a, a ball into the goal, which cost Ireland a qualification for a major tournament in the past. And that goal should never have stood. It was a blatant handball a reflex but a blatant handball nonetheless um, anyway so that was that um france still a big threat i guess denmark tunisia entertaining looking goal to straw Lewandowski missed a penalty for poland and that ended up as a goal to straw that was interesting you've mentioned japan coming from behind to beat germany 2-1 i noticed again keeping the albion thread going when mitama came on they seemed to be playing better i'm just saying again he comes in for us Start the Seagulls, start the Seagulls. Trossard, Belgium, they struggled. He wasn't starting. And yet Ecuador comfortably won when they played two of the three Albion players. He came on for Hazard and he came on early, I think. It was like 60th minute. He came on really early. Hazard looks terrible, doesn't he, at the moment? He's not really starting. starting. We're biased, but what do we know? know. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Just on that German game, by the way, there was, uh, we're going to come on to talk about Qatar in a moment. There's been a lot of controversy around the tournament. Um, one thing I would like to mention, actually, and rant at this stage is um, we were due to have armbands on several nations. You mentioned it earlier. Harry Kane for England, Gareth Bale for Wales, and there were several other nations, Germany included, I think Denmark included, who were going to wear these One Love armbands, which is an extended version of the no discrimination message, which is the message they did have in the end. But they were supposed to have this One Love thing, which is to... Uh, to be pro anybody, freedom to to be who they want to be, and everyone's game. Yeah, we've been seeking clarification as to whether this would be allowed. England award poppies on their shirts after a previous fuss. They were allowed on a previous occasion. Uh, sorry, they were not allowed on a previous occasion. Then they were allowed. So a precedent of sorts have been set. We sought clarification as did the other nations as to whether we could wear it. And um, years later. Uh, within twenty, well, within one hour of leaving the team bus to go to the stadium, they finally gave us an answer saying, "Oh no, you can't wear them." It's almost as if that was deliberate, hmm. as if we wouldn't have time to come up with an alternative. And yeah. then was a, it was a disgrace, yet another disgrace to do with the organisation and administration of this tournament. And I hold FIFA and Qatari authorities duly uh, accountable for this. Yeah, I, I, what was the policy? If you wear it, you get a yellow card? Isn't that what well, they said? Well, they, they suggested normally you'd have a fine, and I think we did have a minor fine when we originally wore poppies. Um, but with this case, because they're trying to clamp down and trying to buddy up with the Qataris, FIFA said, well, any legislation could be possible. If they, they were suggesting behind the scenes it could be a red card. So even if we wanted to have, say, take a take a hit and get a yellow for Harry Kane and then have a different captain maybe and rotate the captaincy so that if we are wearing the armband for each game, we wouldn't get him suspended. Um, that was overridden by the notion that it wasn't clear it would just be a yellow or worse. It could be a fine and a red card, for example, or something like that. So our hands were tied. I'm furious that we didn't go ahead with it, but I can understand why we didn't. Um, it's gutless and pathetic, sneaky tactics from FIFA who are pathetic with their attempts to claim that this is a, a, a welcome tournament for all. It absolutely is not. I haven't seen many women in the stadiums from uh, from the local hosts. Um, we're not allowing people to have a simple message of what I think is a basic human right. I don't think it's a matter of um, making some kind of political statement. The only thing that was 
overtly political about this World Cup is the staging of it in the first place and the ridiculously uncalled for and weirdly robust um, tirade that Infantino came up with on the eve of the tournament, coupled with this cringing kind of um, attention-grabbing speech in the stadium on the opening game, which there was no need for and was completely impromptu and just makes the guy look like a fool. So this armband thing was a disgrace. Rainbow mask being worn by a journalist was refused entry into the media centre. Um, I think it was a British journalist. I'm not quite sure. Uh, he was asked to take it off. I think it was a Welsh journalist, actually. He was asked to take it off and uh, he said, well, no, it's my mask. I'm doing it for COVID, whatever. And um, they refused to let him go in. Uh, people with rainbow bucket hats worn by many, predominantly the Wales fans, um, were excluded from doing that, despite, again, FIFA saying that they were going to be allowed to to wear them and rainbow flags to be don- donned as well. Um, all of that, they backtracked on it, confiscated uh, the various items in question, despite the original suggestions of being permitted. Um, Qataris aren't known for such backtracking. Of course, this seems astonishing. Surely not. <laughs> and, and, and there was a, you know, there was an Iranian fan today on the TV that had a national team jersey on it with Masa Amini's name on it, and uh, she was removed from the stadium. Right. Uh, yeah, and that was, uh, and I was like, come on, you know. And then the other thing I was going to ask you about it: what did you think of uh, Germany's uh, protest during their group team photo? Yeah, sorry, I distracted myself. I was going to come back around to that. Yeah, that was great. So the Germans who were going to have the armband, I think as yeah. well, uh, it did an impromptu cel- uh, uh, protest instead, where they had a, the usual thing. They come out on the pitch. There's a team photo, which is normal protocol. And all 11 of the first team starting um, team just posed with a hand cupped up over their mouth as if to suggest forced silence, um, yeah. which is great. And I don't know if there's going to be any repercussions from that. It would be even more ridiculous if they did, because maybe they were just all happen to be coughing when the photo was taking. I, I don't know. I mean, it was great. But I'm glad they did it. And, you know, this is this is a World Cup unlike any other in, in my lifetime um, yeah. with just all the politics and things going on. It's just... Um, you know, you never think a World Cup game would take a backseat, but it kind of has in some instances, you know. Yeah. And, uh, is- and, we're not, and we're not even through two group stage games. <laughs> yeah. It's mad, isn't it? I think the, the Qataris have got this need to kind of establish themselves on the world stage to, to make their presence known. Because I think, isn't it, the, the backdrop is that they, amongst other nations in the Middle East, are, are concerned about their status, their standing, whether they can hold court and keep keep their own established nation with the possible threat, they could get enveloped by other nations. So that I think they're, they're investing a lot in England. I think they've got part investment in Barclays Bank, in Sainsbury's. They, they own the Harrods Group. Um, they, but they've bought, obviously, again, PSG over in France. There, there's a number of foreign investments involved. And I think that's probably at the heart of the motivation of what they're doing. But um, you've got to say the underhanded tactics uh, have brought into light things that they probably wouldn't have wanted to happen. And the more they're trying to censor things, when the, the, the whole eyes of the world are on them, the more ridiculous it looks. And the more ridiculous it looks for FIFA, who are a, a sham organisation as well, that should mm-hmm. no longer exist as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, but the fantastic gesture from the Germans. I was going to say as well, the German interior minister, did you see what happened there? No, she was, I didn't. She was um, there as a VIP, for, obviously, of the, the German government. She was sitting next to Infantino, where, and he, she was wearing a One Love armband. Oh, that's amazing. Right, there was a, there was a couple of pictures, um, really awkward looking pictures. He's wow. staring up into the distance, but you could see how awkward the whole thing was. <laughs> so what, 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 what was he comparing his troubles to? His freckles as a kid to um, the migrant workers dying, and I'm yeah. like, I, 
I can't, I, I couldn't believe he said that. I mean, if a, if a commissioner of the NBA or the NFL, the NHL or the MLS said that here, yeah. I'm pretty sure they would lose their job. Yeah. They, <laughs> I, and I think he should lose his job. It's, I think it's personally, I think his position is untenable. Um, he wasn't responsible for the awarding of this, um, this, this tournament to this nation, but everything he's done in the recent past uh, has been absolutely disgusting uh, saying don't make it political. And then he makes it political himself. Um, the, the whole backtracking that they're saying it's a compromise. So FIFA are involved in that backtracking as well, not just Qatar. Um, and he's done nothing to really conquer, conquer the real issues. There, there are major human rights issues, which it, it doesn't cost them much to my mind to make, to allow those gestures to take place. Let, let let it go there. Let that be a talking point. Doesn't mean you're disrespecting Qatar's culture. And I think the whole thing about Qatar culture is a bit, it's a bit of a misnomer, to be honest, because I don't really Trying think really hard. And and honestly, like I, I've we, I had a lot of discussions about Qatar and them hosting the World Cup. And 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 I don't know if you saw, but you know Netflix released a documentary about two weeks ago called FIFA Uncovered, where. Um, I watched that, and I'm not going to lie, it made me feel like a piece of crap for even watching the World Cup. Um, but, you know, part of me is like, okay, like, you know, do I think it in a perfect world, if we were really having World Cups in different places for diversity purposes, okay, great. But you hmm. cannot have a World Cup in a country <clears throat> where being gay is illegal. You just, that's just, that's, that should not, that should automatically, you're done. Yeah. Or in a hostile country like Russia that, well, obviously they hadn't invaded new Ukraine. Well, they kind of did prior to 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's just these last two World Cups are, it's going to be a big, I mean, 50 years from now, we're going to look back on it. And um, I hope I'm still alive um, and be like, what the hell? Were, we're saying what the hell were they thinking now? But 50 years from now, it's probably going to look, well, it is, I was going to say it looks shameful, but it looks shameful now. Yeah. <laughs> 50 years from now. Yeah. Uh, I hope because of progress across the world that it will look even more shameful looking back in years to come. But it is shameful now. It's disgraced. It stands up like a sore thumb as well. It's such a ridiculous departure from the usual uh, the usual appointments. And it's great to have it in different parts of the world. But really, of all the countries to pick, you know, it's just um, it's not been to Australasia. So Australia, I think, should have been awarded this tournament, for example. So there's other yeah. places you can spread the word first and you can have guitar make a bid. But the bid should be right. You can you can you can have a bid here. But if you're awarded it, you are going to have to allow drinking. You're going to have to allow um, everyone to be welcome, everyone to have freedom of expression. If you're not, then tough luck. You don't win the bid. So you can have you can make a bid, but you wouldn't win it. That's how it should be. And that would then raise awareness and maybe make them think about development um, within the country particularly to do with migrant workers as well, which, of course, would have been one of the key factors. How are you going to build the, the stadiums? And they would have to make promises which they would be good for. Um, but unfortunately, the Qataris have a history of, of going back on their word and just wanting to get their way and doing whatever they want. And as long as they're doing that, none of the promises mean anything anyway. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a shame. It's, it's, it's FIFA's shame, this World Cup. It's the FIFA shame World Cup. And the FIFA Sham World Cup as well. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's it's tough to know. Like you know, a year from now or six months from now, you know, we we look back on it and you know, what are we going to think? You know, I mean, obviously, who who whoever wins this is still still a world champion. You know, um, but just a lot of lessons. I hope that we learned. You know, just not only to Qatar, but not having it in the freaking winter. <laughs> yeah, <know? laughs> exactly. So you know, uh, I mean. Most teams, some teams, I mean, especially the ones that have guys that play in the Prem and 
the Bundesliga, like they had like what a week to prep for this. It's like that's crazy to me. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it just doesn't fit, does it? it? Just doesn't fit properly at all. No. Yeah. Uh, there we go, man. Well, just to, just round up the rest of the football then. So, um, obviously, we have, you have Portugal Ghana. That's an interesting game. Ronaldo got um, got that goal as we mentioned. They ended up winning three two. There was nearly a, a really good bit of drama at the end when he had to sneak around the back, nick the ball off the goalie routine. Couldn't have you ever seen that in a, in a game of this magnitude on this stage at the World Cup or a Euro? No, not not in this magnitude. No, um, I saw it literally two weeks ago in an English league game, but really? uh, which was in fact exactly the same approach work from the uh, the attacker, but he didn't have defenders so near near him because the difference being, of course, um, quite a lot of lower league football, you're still playing long balls. The goalkeeper, everyone just goes up the field. So the, so the defenders go up with the, with the attackers and they're way away from the goalkeeper. Whereas here, you've got short, short ball options on. So as soon as there's a threat, there's defenders nearer. So they were able to snuff out. The I, I thought I thought Ghana looked good. And honestly, yeah. I, I think, that, and I'm still going to stand by, I think they're going to come out of the group. I think they're better than Uruguay and Korea. Um, yeah. I could, I could be wrong. But I, I still like them. I really do. Yeah, it's great. So it's, it's good. Let's. I'm hoping Japan do as well. My wife's Japanese, and there's yeah. been some interesting stuff about Japan in a previous tournament. There was a thing about them clear, uh, fans clearing up the stadium after them, which is just the Japanese. Is brilliant. And there was an image going around. I don't know if it's true of the um, the dressing rooms after Japan left. Um, yeah, post match uh, for their last game against Germany, and they'd left it in impeccable condition. Again, I'm not sure if that's a true image or not, but I think I suspect it probably is. They, they did Which the is- same thing. I, this has been done a lot before. They they did it in, in Asian qualifying in, in 2018 when they played against Iran and Tehran. They did the same thing. So yeah. this is not uh, something I haven't seen before. I, I think it's amazing. I think it just shows how much class they have. Yeah, um, and I think it shows that you know, hey, they should have been given the World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I've had it before, so yeah, maybe that's again. True, that's true. That's true. That's yeah. true. And I'm all you know, spreading the wealth. Hopefully, hopefully they get one to England here pretty soon. Yeah. Quick word for Spain as well, because they outdid us against you. They, they've got seven nil against Costa Rica. Uh, oh. Impressive. Yeah, they're looking good. They've got a young Gavi, G A V I. For anyone that doesn't know the spelling, he's he's a young starlet midfielder who looks very, very good indeed. And um, their their team looks decent. I think not, people haven't really been talking about Spain so much because they've no. kind of established and people just know they're there and they've started talking about oh, who else might be a surprise. But Spain might go under the well. They were going under the radar. Maybe not so much now they've won seven nil. And one thing I didn't like from it, the commentator over here um, quoted Jordi Alba, um, who uh, who said apparently he had said the only thing missing from my medal collection is a World Cup winners medal. Um, well, I suggest that that isn't true because I think an Oscar statuette is also missing. I don't know if you saw when he quite correctly won the penalty. He was he was kicked, but um, he went down as if he'd um, he'd just been killed. Uh, well, not yeah. killed actually, because he was like a screaming baby. It's like a like a three year old spoiled brat. It was unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not the first time, but it's on South American levels of, uh, of of shamefulness there as well. Uh, well to, be, to be honest, after that game was over. I was at work. We were watching it because I watched the whole second half. It was during my lunch and um, I was sitting with one of my friends who's um, uh, also an Iranian. And I said, well, thank God for Costa Rica. We're not, we're not the worst team in the world cup anymore. You know, <laughs> we only lost by four goals. <laughs> and you're far from it now. Now the next day's now, game. Now right? it's like, yeah, it's just it, now, now we're, we're safe. But I, honestly, like uh, I, I typically don't feel bad, but like on, when they scored the seventh one and then they were still trying to get an eighth one, I mean, there's a discussion, right? You know, some people can say, you know, why are you trying to score? But some people can say, well, then, well, then stop me, you know? 
Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I mean, but especially when the group stage where, you know, goal differential matters, I I think they're safe now. (laughs) (laughs) It would be, yeah, I mean, it's possible to miss out with three points, but they're not going to finish off three points, are they? Let's be honest. Yeah, that's true. Um, Just an update. I noticed, yeah, Estepinian's goal was um, disallowed. Yeah, so still 1-0 to Holland as we're speaking. Um, So that's pretty much it on the... The World Cup. I mean, what, what's, what's your view? Any other opinions you've got on the World Cup so far in terms of how it's been? I guess we, we should mention Ronaldo, actually. He did an interview for um, Piers Morgan, who's, who's buddy-ish with, um, just to engineer a move away from Man United, bitching about um, a lack of respect, mutual lack of respect with him and Ten Hag. Uh, all of that was just to get him out of uh, out of there. He conveniently did it as soon as he left Old Trafford for the tournament. Yeah. I mean, in a way, maybe that is the appropriate timing because you you haven't got immediate matches to come and stuff. But um, yeah, he has now party company. He is a free agent. I don't think Brighton will be signing him, not with his demands. And one of the main demands is he wants to catch Messi, who he's eleven goals behind in the Champions League scoring stakes, and wow. um, he is a couple of years older, isn't he, as well? So he's. He's he's under pressure. He, he's all about scoring and stats, and you know it'll be interesting to see where he goes. But do you think that's going to disrupt Portugal's campaign? They just squeezed past Ghana in the first game. But what do you think? I don't see any scenario how that doesn't cause a distraction. I saw I forgot which player it was, whether it was Bruno Fernandez. Well, I yeah, saw Bruno Fernandez. Yeah, yeah. He said that you know I want the media to keep talking about him in a negative light because it only makes him play better. Okay, maybe that's true. We don't know. Maybe that's true. Um, but you can't tell me the distraction. Oh, I mean, he is a world-class athlete. He is one of the best people to ever do it. You know, you know, uh, I started thinking about like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, were they bothered by people's talks? I don't think so. No. So I don't think it's affecting him, but to say it's not affecting the team would be naive. I mean, I, I think it's definitely affecting the team. The only thing I'm worried about is, I mean, I'm not a Manchester United fan, so I can care less, but do you think he's tarnishing his reputation there? I think he is to some degree, yeah. I mean, the, the football does the talking overall, doesn't it, in the end? And people will look back on his career and think he was one of the greatest players. I don't think he's the greatest in this era, let alone ever. But I think Messi is the better player, definitely. Um, and it doesn't, it's not just about medals and tournaments. And it's who you're playing with is what matters in that regard. Uh, and also Messi has had an exhaustive, a more exhaustive um, career. Uh, he's had less time off by far and he's worked with inferior players on some occasions who've got less of a team ethic than Portugal have had. Mm-hmm. So I don't think he's the best player ever, but he's, he will always be remembered as a great. I think the end of his career might be getting tarnished somewhat. I think it might be that might be tempered if he gets a good run at another club who are in the Champions League for the rest of the season. Maybe people forget about this a little bit more, but I find him a spoiled brat. I think he's an egomaniac. I, I don't like him as a personality. I think he's quite a slimy character. There's some questionable elements behind the scenes that we've heard of uh, in, in his past. We won't de- delve on that. He has had his bad times. You know, he's lost a child and he's had his other child was, was ill. And I think that disrupted his arrival back from pre-season. That's what he said. And I believe that. And I think he's got genuine qualms with Man U. But I think he should have ironed them out. He should have washed his linen in, pub- in private rather than in public. And I think he could have engineered a move more um, respectfully than he did. Um, so I think it's tarnished part of his reputation, but I don't think it's going to be the main thoughts reflecting back later later on down the line. Um, yeah, I, I'm wondering who, who's going to give him a, a chance. I mean, because let's, uh, I think it's safe to assume someone's going to give him what he wants. Yeah, depends how, how, how demanding he is about the money side of things, uh, you know, contracts, how long a contract, because he wants to do three more years. I don't know how much longer he will do, but that's what he wants to do. Um, and 
will he get a contract for three years at a club who's in the Champions League and are likely to be in the Champions League after this season? That's probably what he wants, I would think. Who would that be? I don't know. Someone will go for it because he's a free agent. You haven't got the fee. You've just got the wages. And and when you you factor in how much you would have been spending on the fee and you justify that as part of the wages, it's not such a bad deal. So someone will come in for him, I'm sure. Um, But I hope Messi keeps the Champions League scoring record. And, you know, that that suits me. (laughs) I know, Um, I know. Quick words, final word on World Cup before we break quickly and then have a quick bit in the second half on Albin. Thoughts on who's going to win? I mean, I, I just don't know at the moment. I think there's several teams could win it. Germany could still win it despite a bad yep. start. France could still win it despite their injuries because they've still got a strong team. England, I was gone a downer about, and most England fans are, but with, with a good start. And if we get a result tonight and, you know, we're, we're flying, um, suddenly we look like we, we could do it. We've, we've got players who are quite confident at the moment uh, in the attacking third in particular. I think we've got weaknesses in defence that might cost us. But overall, I think we're an option. Uh, Argentina could still be an option, but I, I've got my doubts about them now. But I do think Brazil, for me, are the other team to beat. They look yeah. good. So many good players in that squad. Yeah. For me, pre-tournament, before the tournament started, I had picked Argentina, which, in my opinion, ah. I, I think there's – you can name five teams that have a really good shot at winning it. And yeah. you can say six, seven, and eight have a decent shot at winning it. Yeah, um, it, it it really could be anybody. Um, I mean, Argentina have been have not been great in some of the tournaments so with with Messi. Unfortunately, it's just that the people around them haven't been on either on form or good enough or playing well as enough as a team. But uh, yeah, they, they came into this tournament thirty six games unbeaten, which is uh, was I think a South American record they were coming towards there. Uh, they are in form coming into the tournament, as are Brazil. And Messi's last tournament, Ronaldo's last tournament, almost certainly, um, kind of you'd think they would be driven even more by the talisman that is Messi to to do well. And I think they still could. They still could. They're a good team, Argentina. Yeah, there's. Uh, I mean, my opinion, there's there's no way Argentina's not getting out of the. I mean, I, I think I feel bad for who they play next. Which are they? They're playing Mexico next. Or is I no- think so. Yeah, I haven't got the fixtures to hand at the moment, but yeah, I think uh, I think so. Yeah. Mexico uh, or Poland, yeah. Let's just say I wouldn't want to play Argentina right now. <laughs> no, no, the tiger's tail has been stung and all that. They're, yeah, uh, they're gonna be pissed. And uh, <laughs> just a uh, bit. <laughs> yeah, and it's it, you know there's some like you know England. You can make any case for England. I mean France. I mean until someone takes the championship away from them, they're the defending champions. Um, you know they've got the experience of winning it. That's the the other thing with yeah. France, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, you, you you never know and. Um, and you always got to watch out for those dark horses because, you, you know, this could be a year where a dark horse makes a semifinal. You know, you never know. Yeah. I'm not saying a dark horse will win, but, um, you know, it's, it's fun to talk about. <laughs> it certainly is, isn't it? Yeah, it's great stuff. Okay, yeah. well, that's the World Cup done. In part two, Amir, we'll, uh, we'll get on to talking a bit more about the Albion. Good. Excellent. And so to part two with me, Russell Guyver, and my special guest, Amir Jafiri, my stateside Albion-supporting buddy of Iranian descent who's supporting Iran and, and USA and England maybe as well now with his new affiliations. <laughs> uh, so many teams to support, but one of those, of course, is the Albion itself. We're going to come on to that in a minute for our part two. Just before we do a quick update on the World Cup, Esther Pinyan's been involved again. He's had a, what, what happened, uh, Amir? You're watching, aren't you? He had a, uh, he had a beautiful, beautiful shot on target. 
at, just just inside the box, and it was a deflection off the goalie. And uh, Ecuador's captain, which I I'm sorry I cannot remember his name right now. He just tapped it in. It was a it was a beauty, and Brilliant. it's one. It's a tight game right now. It's uh it's kind of anyone's game right now. I think Ecuador has some life. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> I love it. I love it. There was some, there was some picture of some Ecuador fans at the uh, World Cup with an Ecuador flag, but it's got a Brighton and Ovalbian logo in the middle of it. I thought brilliant. The, the official club, and I think one of them is this guy who's been doing loads of vlogs. He's he seems to be based in in England, and he's going along to uh, to loads of Brighton games. I think he must have a season ticket because he's going to loads of games and uh, vlogging. I haven't seen his stuff yet, but apparently he's quite entertaining. How, can, how could you be an Ecuadorian living in England and not pull for the Albion? I mean, it would make Absolutely. no sense. Yeah, exactly. So he, he's, um, he might be one of the three in the picture. But anyway, there we go. So on to the Albion then. Right, last time we had you on, we've, we've, um, you, I think was we, we've spoken a couple of times, I think, on the pod. I'm trying to remember what the last occasion was. I think it might have been after your visit. I can't it was after the visit, yeah. So you, you've come over. You've, you've only been able to go over once so far to see the Albion in the flesh. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. it was in the Ali Razor Jahanbach days, and you did get to meet him, which was great, obviously, the Iranian connection. I got to meet him and uh, a lot of other guys. It was fun. Yeah, which is fantastic. But unfortunately, it wasn't a winning game. In fact, it was a losing game. I think we lost 1-0 at home to yeah. Saints. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You are our next opponents, as it happens, albeit at St Mary's this time. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, so far... Not so good on the on the visiting front, but supporting the Albion, you've picked a great era. It's it's been it's it's all down to you, Amir. You've you've brought us on from strength to strength. Um, we've we've got um, a fantastic manager. We have had a fantastic manager beforehand. Um, things have changed around a bit. Um, how have you found it since we last spoke? And how have you found it being an Albion fan? Fun. I love it. Um, you know, just to talk real quick, you know, we, we have a, a stateside Seagulls supporters group here that's growing. Um, you know, I've had in the last couple of months, I've had two expats from Brighton that now live in Denver reach out to me. And, you know, we've got plans to go watch games together. That's where uh, you live, by the way, for those that don't know, Denver, isn't it, in Colorado? Yeah. Yes, Denver, Colorado. Sorry, the Mile High City. Yeah. Um, about a mile above sea level. Um but yeah, the, 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 the fun has been growing. Um, the, the group has been growing. It's been so fun. Um, you know, it's been fun for me um, to kind of just because just everything, everything that's happened to me ever since I became a fan. I mean, you know, just real quick, I'll tell you again, um, you know, back in 2017, I was uh, I had a, a coworker in my dental office that was a huge Chelsea fan, and he'd always have the games on. And, and, and I kind of would walk, I'd walk by, I'd watch it. I'd, but I was kind of a casual soccer fan. I would watch all the U.S. and Iranian national team games, and of course every World Cup. And I would watch the Euros, of course, because that's the that's the second best tournament in the world. Yeah. Um, but I was I I didn't watch any league. I didn't watch the Premier League, the Bundesliga. I didn't watch. I would watch Champions League semifinal and final. That's it. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted a club to support in England. And I was like, you know, cause I, I did my research and obviously I found, you know, it's the best league in the world. There's no doubting that this world cup alone proves it by the number of players we have in the world cup. And I, I took a, I found a poll. I, I, I just found a random like questionnaire that you fill out and it tells you what, what club to support. And, um, and I got Swansea and they had just gotten relegated. I'm like, well, I can't cheer for them. Like, <laughs> they're not even in it anymore. And it just so happened, you know, um, Ali Reza had just signed with, um, with Brighton. So I said, well, that's done deal. That's my team. 
And, uh, and I, I, you know, I still, you know, and I, I still remember this, you know, cause we, we had a common friend, Josh, you know, who's, um, who does a wonderful podcast himself too, to go, it's called together BHA, um, who introduced you and I, and we started talking and I had a trip planned and I, and, uh, I got a, t- I got tickets, my wife and I, and I reached out to you and, you know, you were so generous with your time and then you and your wife, and we got to have some amazing Indian food that we still talk about till this day. Uh, All right. Yeah. Uh, and just, you know, just how you treated me and how the your group of supporters treated me and my wife was remarkable because I you didn't know you didn't know me that, you know, and you didn't know me. Um, you know, I, I could have been some quote unquote plastic fan, as they say. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I was new and, and, and it was fair to say that because I was just so new to the club and and just. You know, and I, I remember we were, we were, we were, I don't know what, it was after the, the Saints game. We were at a bar and I, you know, Allison was there and I forgot what bar we were at, but, um, and I remember you were asking me, you said, if, you know, if Ali Reza were to leave, are you still going to support the club? And I said, I'm not going anywhere, you know? <laughs> and, uh, I said, this is my team. This is always going to be my team. I don't even care if another Iranian, what's the, there is one that plays for Brentford, um, Godos. Um, I, you know, this is my team and it's just, and, everything that's happened with the club is just, you know, how inclusive it is and how together it is and how welcoming it is to everyone um, is what I'm most proud of. And, and, and trust me, you know, being here, I get it all the time, especially when soccer fans come to my work and they're like, you know, I I had a guy last week that was like, why the hell do you support Brighton? (laughs) And I was like, no, they don't. We were top 10 team last year. What are you talking about? And he's a Chelsea fan. And I was like, and we're one ahead of you right now. So yeah, who sucks? <laughs> who sucks? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's yeah. just so fun. I watch every single game. Um, you know, obviously COVID kind of hurt my chances of returning to England, you know, because we had plans and then we, we were very blessed to have a child. And so that kind of delays my plans a little bit more. But um, I will see you again one day. I don't know when, but it will happen. Um, and and you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm hearing rumors in the stateside chat and then on Twitter about a potential game in New York City this summer. Yeah, that, that is apparently happening. Yeah, yeah, the, the club have, have have made strong suggestions that that is happening. Oh, I, I hope, I hope, you, I hope you and your lovely wife consider that trip because New York in the summertime is beautiful. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> as as well. start, jump across the pond, you know. <laughs> Um, but it's been awesome. And, and, you know, obviously losing Potter was hard. You know, I was really upset because, you know, as a fan, I, you know, I grew attached to him. You know, he did a lot for us. You know, he gave us our first ever top 10 finish in the Premier League. Um, we had some rough seasons where, you know, you had your boos and you had your Potter outs and, and he handled it with class, in my opinion. Um, and, and even when he left, I wasn't upset. I mean, let's be honest, it wasn't surprising. But some of the comments that he made afterwards about his, you know, that's, that really rubbed me the wrong way. And, I might have said some expletives and I'm not going to repeat on the air uh, where I was just, I was, I'm not, I don't want to say I'm cheering for his failure, but I kind of am. I always cheer for them to lose every week now. Let's be honest. So we all do. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't say I'm not, I kind of, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm like going out my way to do it, but I'm, I'm definitely kind of wryly grinning every time I see a bad result for them. <laughs> Most particularly because it keeps them below us, just below us at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So and back to square uh, one when it, when they changed, when they, um, when he moved over there. Uh, he's no he's better off. So our new manager, you know, our, you know, Mr. RDZ himself, you know, uh, I love that guy. I love his energy because I, you know, my wife even says like, when we score a goal, he celebrates like he's one of us. He might, <laughs> he does, you know, 
Um, yeah, we had the Wolves game where he ran the whole length of the touchline. Did you see yeah, that? Yeah. Just, uh, he just ran the whole way. He's gone on the pitch twice to celebrate. <laughs> he's had a, he had a brutal start to his campaign. I mean, it was just a brutal schedule for us. Um, there was a couple games that I think, you know, that comes down the Forest game at home. That was, I think we let him off the hook, you know, um, the Brentford game, that one, we can't argue. They, they were better than us that day. I mean, that was top to bottom. They owned us. Hmm. Um, but you know, the, the, the Wolves game was amazing. And then, um, you know, then we, how we ended it before the break with Villa was disappointing. Hmm. I really thought we were going to win that game. Um, but I think we're going to win a lot of games. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's, it's be- as an Albion fan, I don't, I don't see how you wouldn't like him. You know, um, you know, we're scoring goals uh, at a at a great rate. Um, we're a fun team to watch. Uh, you know, we don't know what the future holds. Uh, you know, I I, I want to think I think we're going to finish top ten again. Um, but it's the Premier League. It's the it's the best league in the world. Anything's possible. You know. Um, uh, I know I, in that, in our group chat, I had asked Robin, I said, you know, I said, Robin, be honest with me, you know, what are the chances we lose Caicedo or Trussard? And he said, low, maybe, but maybe next summer. Cause I'm like, that's my biggest fear is this January, we're going to lose one of them. And I still think we are. I don't know what your thoughts are on that one, but. Um, I'm probably inclined to agree with Robin, actually. I think, um, the yeah, chances yeah. of against it. Yeah. I, I, hopefully you're wrong. But yeah. He, he, um, he, Tony doesn't like, Tony Bloom doesn't like, uh, doing business in January, um, but both ways around, really. And I, I just think it will be too disruptive to our, um, to our season. I don't think we, we're wanting to buy players in that. It's not a good time to buy players. So if you're selling, you're going to need to replace. And yes, we've got succession planning and someone might co- come through the ranks, but I'm not sure any such player will be ready in January. Depending which player happens to be sold, we may not have the replacements ready made enough to avoid it being an upset to our to our seasonal flow, so to speak. Uh, and on that basis, I don't think he would want to sell anyone. But I do think he would also impress upon the players, as they always do, give us your time up to a certain point and we'll let your pathway be clear and we won't obstruct it. And we'll let, as long as you get fair price, we'll sell you. Um, and we get damn good prices, actually, when we sell. We do. But, <laughs> Um, well, we'll talk about Kukurea in a minute, actually. But anyway, but um, yeah, I don't think we would sell. I, I think we would persuade anyone that's that's interested in going and is having their head turned to say, look, give us till the summer, uh, and then we'll we'll talk about it. But give us till the summer and play well, continue to play well until then. That'll be the kind of talk going on behind the scenes. And on that basis, I, I think Robin's right. I don't think we would sell anyone that we don't want to sell uh, in January, and we might sell a couple of peripheral squad members, but. Nothing more than that. And I think Undav uh, is going out on loan, I think. It's not really working for him at the moment. So he might want to go out. But maybe we sign someone if we can find a bargain uh, or someone that's just generally good value um, in in the January window. But I doubt we'll do much much business at all, to be honest, until the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm happy. I, I, I hope you're right. I really, you know... And obviously, you know, I, I've only been a fan of the Premier League for five years now, right? So I don't have the knowledge that, you know, you have and others have. But my my rationale is at what point does Tony Boom be like, – let's say we have another top 10 finish this year, which I think we will. At what point do, is he going to be like, guys, we're this close to Europe. Like, let's spend some money. And but I know at the end of the day it comes down to players and players wanting to play for big clubs. I, I get all that. I really do. Um, but I I really I, – I, I put trust on a guy – I could be dead wrong on this, but I I put him as someone who 
kind of wants to take us to like to that next step you know um I can't speak for him I don't know him you know maybe he wants to god forbid play for Chelsea I don't know you know (laughs) (laughs) but uh it's exciting and and, uh you know we'll we'll see what happens in the summer you know I was actually gonna ask you if you think Brighton's gonna try and make any moves in the in the in the window yeah I don't know but um the only thing is uh, there was talk of the Ukrainian uh, centre back. I've actually forgotten his name now. He was playing for uh, Shakhtar under Dezerbi, and um, I think we might be interested in him. It kind of depends on if Colwell's loan is continuing for the whole season because I think he's he's settling in all right. And whether we feel we need some extra cover in general, um, possibly we feel somebody who's a flexible defender. I don't know if this guy would be flexible to play in different positions, but maybe something like that could be quite handy. That might be the only thing we do then. What we what we normally do in January is we'll sign a couple of young players who are in no way anything to do with the first team for another couple of years, and then we'll loan them out to another club, and it'll go under the radar. Um, that's what we've done before, and those players, yeah, that's what we do again. When Anote we signed, who's an exciting player, um, it didn't it wasn't um, you know he was signed at the end of the window, and he's uh, or no, I think uh, no, sorry, he's, he was signed in. Uh, just a few weeks ago, he, that's going to go through formally in January. So we've already confirmed it as a as a transfer to be done. The contracts are signed. It's just a matter of ratification during the transfer window now. Buenanote is one of these exciting, flair, attacking, creative players who um, has come out of Argentina. It's looking looking pretty good. So he'll be good. Sorry, I just, got, I, I just got a text message from one of my friends. He lives here. He's a huge Arsenal fan. He just texted me, Estupinian is gone. Say goodbye to him at Brighton. Oh no! Another one on the wanted list. He's yeah. having a really great game, and he's like, "He's." I'm like, "Damn it!" And I was like, "No, no, no." <laughs> Listen, we talk about first world problems. These are kind of first world football problems. Yeah. Having a load of players who are so good that everyone wants them. It's it a is a problem. It is annoying, but it's. You know, great, it? I, I, I think we're lucky. I mean, you know, we, we as much as we don't want other teams to like our players, we we need to because that means we're doing good. Yeah. It's always a good sign. And as long as we keep the production line going in terms of who we sign, when the algorithms are there, it's all to do with Tony Bloom. Uh, he, he's the only one with the full whack of, uh, of, of, of the full database and all of the intricate uh, trimmings that come with his systems, uh, Star Lizard and all the rest of it. That, that's all his, his stuff. That's, uh, you, we, we lose it. Paul Wynn Stanley has now officially gone to Chelsea. We've arranged uh, or agreed in a, a suitable enough compensation. So you'd think the head of recruitment goes, that's the final straw, that's the big one, but not necessarily because I think it's it's more to do with what Tony Bloom's doing and his systems uh, and a network of, of people he's got working for him rather than any individual. I hope so. However, the, the signings, we mentioned Kukurea earlier, there, there was a graphic I've got, which I keep meaning to quote, it was about most expensive defenders, and it may be slightly out of date. There might be one or two people that have joined the list since. But this was the list uh, just a few weeks ago. Ben White was listed at number 10, 50 million. Ex-Brighton, we sold him. Then you've got um, Lisandro Martinez, who went to Man U for 55. Laporte went to City for 57. Then you've got Mark Cucurella, 63 million. Uh, again, another one uh, to Chelsea, obviously. And then you've got Diaz, you've got Delict. Uh, Lucas Hernandez, who went Atleti to Bayern Munich. Um, Matthias De Ligt again from Juventus to Bayern, um, as well as his Ajax to Juventus move. And um, Virgil van Dijk. And then ludicrously at the top of the list was Harry Maguire at 80 million. <laughs> um, he's a good defender, but he's not that good. Um, so, you know, two of the top 10 most expensive defenders in history at the time I, I downloaded this, this graphic. Um, not bad going. We're doing something right, aren't we? We've come a long, long way together, right? 
baby, as the song goes, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. And that's something to be proud of. And that's something to be excited about. Um, I know, I, I think I asked you this when, when the Potter news came out. And I said, I think my exact question to you was, has this ever happened before? Is there a precedent for one club to just pillage like, like we've been pillaged? Like, has that happened before? Yes. I think not, not to this extent, right? Not, not quite to this extent, but um, we've, we, you've had the Southampton-Liverpool thing where Southampton had a very good academy um, historically, you know, in the past as well. You had Alan Shearer, um, you had Theo, Theo Walcott and various others. But in the modern era, there was a number of players came through, either, either good recruitment, players they brought in young who were already partly ready-made, or players who come through the academy. And they, they, Liverpool ended up poaching three or four players uh, that was seen as an irritation by all Saints fans, as you'd imagine, all going to the same club. Um, that's the nearest that's, that's come. And obviously that included Mane and Van Dijk, who we tried to sign uh, as well ourselves in the past. Um, that, that was that era of player. So not the, the recent past, but on this level, no. When you think of, they, they took Potter, they took his, his original backroom three, but also took Bruno, uh, also took our goalkeeping coach, Ben Roberts, who's highly regarded. Um, they've also now taken the head of recruitment, Paul Wynn Stanley. They also took two youth scouts and they've taken two youth players earlier on in the uh, in the year as well. Um, so uh, that's, that's proper pillaging, isn't it? And Paul Barber said on an interview for another podcast, the Albion Raw, uh, that was last week, um, suggesting that they don't really have an issue with Chelsea. You know, they would potentially do business with them again. It's about if the price is right and if it's appropriate timing for us to be selling people in general. That was the general gist of it. So it wasn't as if he was going to put a halt to dealing with Chelsea because enough's enough. And, you know, let's let's deal with other clubs. They <laughs> still might deal with Chelsea, which I great. Did, I, I wrote back to my friend. I said, I said, you guys can have a, a stupendian on Arsenal for 100 million. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. All yours. Still one all, is it? By the way, in the game, it's still one one, and uh, yeah. it's a good, it's a great game. It's very back and forth right now. Very back yeah. and forth. Yeah, great game. Good um, stuff. Brilliant. Yeah, excellent. Well, next on the agenda, obviously, at some point you have to come over, and we will hope to see you when you come over. We might be in the states at some point. Who knows? Yeah. Um, probably don't come over and watch Southampton again because that will be too painful. <laughs> Or maybe exercising demons. It could it could work the other way. Um, but what we will do next, I think we've, we've definitely got to get you back on. We're planning in the, in the near future to do a stateside related yeah. episode. It's long overdue, although we've had you on. We haven't covered a, a wider kind of fan base in the States. So we're hoping to do that. Um, so would you come back on for that, perhaps? I, I Absolutely, I would. And uh, <clears throat> I think we would get a great great turnout for that one and i encourage everyone who doesn't follow uh already to follow at ba i'm sorry at bhafc stateside um that's kind of our main it's run by paul dorsey but it's our main uh page um we we actually paul's done an incredible job with another one of our members designing our very own stateside seagull scar a scarf um so it's online yeah 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 um you know and it's a it's a fun community we talk every day um two of them are actually there right now in qatar they're both they're big big uh fans of the usa um so they're there to to support against your lads i'm sorry (laughs) (laughs) that's all right that's all right uh, it's fun it's gonna it's gonna keep growing and um you know we we hope to one day uh host them the team here and I, I hope i hope the new york city rumors aren't rumors anymore and become true um 
but time will tell. Yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> uh, it certainly sounds like it's definitely happening uh, for that uh, for the summer next year. Uh, let's hope so. Um, well, Amir, it's been a pleasure, and I will I will speak to you when we have that next podcast. I'm sure yeah. we'll be chatting online in the meantime. Anyway, um, it's always been a pleasure. So um, we've got to sign out in the traditional way. You're going to join in with me, aren't you? So okay, I'm uh, in. <laughs> here we go then, Amir. Stand or fall. Up the, Up the Albion, Albion baby. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. I can't wait for the break to be over. I can't wait to uh, see how this season ends for us, see how the Carabao Cup run ends for us. I know we didn't have much time to talk about that, but that was big too. Um, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's been really fun. I wish you guys the best of luck. I want you to know that I will always cheer for England, except when they're playing the USA and Iran. So, my brother, I'm sorry. I will not be pulling for one today but i will after today excellent (laughs) fantastic sports social podcast network